corporate management consultant, healthcare entrepreneur, creative director, and artist management company founder. Omar Khan is the person behind one of the fastest rising artists in the UK in recent times, with TD spending months in the UK official chart, reaching number nine in the top 10 alongside UK rap and grime legend Bugsy Malone, attaining over 100 million streams and views across practically every platform there is, having a Brit certified silver plaque and working with countless artists like Cat Burns, Jess Glynn, Mr. Easy, RD, Bad Boy Chiller Crew, JK, Ella Henderson, Silky and more, all within the space of one year since their debut release. Omar also discovered South Asian rapper Slime in his hometown of Sheffield, who recently signed a deal with Sony Columbia Records after releasing the globally viral song Lenga with 60 million views and plays worldwide. Slime's name is now alongside Jay Sean, Zayn Malik and Naughty Boy, some of the only British Asian acts to gain global notoriety. Omar is also working overseas in France as one of his acts, KD Made It, is gaining attention working in the dominant drill music scene over there. But how on earth does a British Pakistani management consultant turned entrepreneur from Sheffield find himself alongside some of the biggest and most relevant names in the UK music industry? What was his upbringing like? And where does his enormous passion and drive come from? How has he supported not one, but three artists from his hometown to achieve in a year what most musicians never get to realise in a lifetime? And what's his beef with the vape industry? This is Behind the Wheel, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Omar Khan. Omar, when you reflect back on the success you've had to date in terms of the different aspects of your life, like when I think about you've got different hats on, right? Mm. But you've had success in many different areas. When you look back at that success and think about the days growing up, being a kid in your environment, what would you say were, how would you describe your upbringing and to what degree did your upbringing have an impact on the success that you've seen to date? I grew up uh, in an area on the outskirts of Sheffield within South Yorkshire. And it was, uh, the area I grew up in was like a predominantly white area. I was like the only, we were like the only Asian family in the area. And the school that I went to was pretty similar. So like there wasn't really any Asians at that school. It was a good school though. It was a good school. It wasn't necessarily a rough school. Um, it wasn't necessarily like in a bad area or anything like that. It was a good school. Um, and my education was, was a good, I had a great education and like, um, I had a good childhood as well. What was it like being the only Asian in a, in a, in a, in a, in, in the environment that you were in? Did it, did it ever, was it ever an issue for you? Was it, what what was it like? I think like, best way I can kind of describe it is like, I think it's very much a sink or swim situation where like you can either wear it as a badge of honor and kind of have loads of confidence and get in the mix with the people that are around you and embrace their culture and share things about your culture. Or you can kind of like shy away from it and become something you're not. But yeah, man. So I think for me, like the area I grew up in was predominantly white. The sort of local area is known for being quite like racist, especially like when I was a young kid. And so, but like I said, when I was at school, little things happened here and there, but I was always a super confident guy. I was always a super confident kid and I always had, I was always friends with everyone. Where does that come from? Because I mean, I mean, we go way back and I think of you super confident. I mean, you're able to get in front of people and, and talk about whatever you, 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 you need to talk about. You, you, you are naturally somewhat very confident. Where, where does that come from, that, that kind of 
I I would say like I always just felt confident and I always just felt powerful because of my family. So like I'm the youngest of three brothers and I'm also the youngest of a long line of cousins that kind of grew up within a mile of each other. And also like my granddad's like my hero, my dad's one of my heroes. And so I had a lot of reason to feel powerful and strong even as a young kid because I had all these kind of like older siblings and cousins and, you know, parents and grandparents as like strong figures in my life that made me feel powerful. So when I went anywhere and I met anyone else, I felt like I came from the Khan family Mm. and that gave me like a lot of confidence in any situation. And don't get me wrong, like I've always been very independent. So even as a young kid, like my mum will tell you, like I've always been very independent. I used to run around on my own and I used to like go off on adventures on my own and I never really like sought out help from anyone else. I'd always figure it out by myself. But knowing that if shit hit the fan or worse came to worse, I could call upon all these different people that mm-hmm. have, are up to all sorts, you know. Um, you know, I've got kind of every type of person within a cousin somewhere. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Whether that's being street and needing to box things off on road, whether that's ultra professional at the highest level of the corporate environment, whether that's business. So I, I, I'll be honest, I came from a very strong family. But don't get me wrong, like, it's not as if that everyone in that family was rich. It's not as if everyone in our family had made it, but their characters were just strong. So we had people in our family that, well, everyone originally came from poverty. Like, so where my granddad and my dad grew up, that was like extreme poverty in Pakistan. So like my dad used to have to walk two miles every day just to get clean water, for example. And um, he used to like go two miles to the well to to grab clean water and bring it back in a bucket or something um, for my grandma. And then she'd use that water to cook. And wow. so that's kind of like where my family originate from. So to go back to your original question, even from a young age, I've always had this thing inside of me of like, my granddad didn't do the missions that he did from Pakistan, you know, coming from poverty, risking life and limb to come to the UK, you know, raising my dad in a a particular way to the point where he, my dad's doctor. So my dad had a successful, you know, education and managed to become a doctor. And then for then me to then start messing around. So you, you, you had that sense in you that like, you know, you, you had to somehow be on the right path and you had to work hard because not doing so would be an injustice to the, sacrifices that your family had made to get to where they got to right that's very well said and that is how i'd put it like i had that from a very young age how how did that play out practically like was that just through like your dad saying did you know that i had to go through so much pain was it like that or was it more subtle than 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 that i think it was like both first of all it was i grew up in in a household where when i was a young kid my grandma and granddad live with us and alhamdulillah i'm so grateful for that because obviously they're not with us anymore god rest his soul a legend of the secret but like i had that time close-knit time they were part of raising me as well and when they were living with me my granddad was very strict you know he always was a very serious guy and like he's like the only person in my life who's an example of like what a perfect man because you know and don't get me wrong he probably did things in his life but from what i could see whilst he was alive he was perfect from the way he dressed from the way he conducted himself from the respect that he had off other people from being the leader of our family we've got a big family full of crazy people and different characters and he was like the strongest leader that i've ever seen no matter what organization I've worked for, no matter what major label I've been inside of, no matter anyone I've ever seen, I've never met a better leader than my granddad. I'm not being biased, like, straight up. Yeah. So, like, growing up with him there, it was just like, 
the best thing that I could have ever hoped for. And then also seeing my dad, who always implemented strong work ethic, I would say like that was the number one thing that he implemented in his three sons, me being the youngest as well, was like, you have to work hard and you'll never get anywhere in this world unless you work hard. And if it was an A, it was, why isn't it an A star? And even if I, I never got an A star, but even if I managed to get an A star, it would be why that you got five of those. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I'll be honest, I like, I love my dad to bits and now we've got the best relationship ever and I'm so grateful for it. But when we were young, he was never the sort of dad to say like, you've done a good job, Beta, you smashed it. But that's our community, right? I mean, you know, yeah. it's, um, but you know, it's so true about the relationship with your parents. Like I have that as well. Like, I feel like I'm close to my parents now as opposed to when I, when I, when I was younger. I think as you get older and you mature yeah. and you you get a proper job and you start making money and you get a house and you get married, the relationship, the, the dynamic changes from mm. kind of a ownership over you and now kind of a... Friendship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's true. And you know what? I, I never experienced what that felt like until I bought my own house and moved out and i you know like a typical asian like i'll be honest alhamdulillah like i was in a position to like move out in my early 20s probably by about 23 but i didn't actually move out until my late 20s because i'm a mummy's boy <laughs> I'm, I'm a self-confessed mummy's boy i don't care who knows it and like the way i kind of chalked it down was like everyone's here for a limited amount of time so like, why wouldn't I want to spend as much time as possible with the people that mean the most to me, no matter what my mate Will's doing or no matter what my mate Parry's doing, good for them and that that makes sense for their lifestyles. And for me, I want to be around my family. And it was only until like, you know, I was coming in and going out at crazy times and I was constantly on business phone calls and I wasn't getting that privacy to kind of like, make the most to advance myself to the next step also like my older brother got married and there was more people around the house and it was becoming more crowded so but even then i bought a house down the road like my house is still down the road yeah. two minute drive exactly where i want it and my lifestyle now is like i might go to london every week i'm going to paris at the end of this month like i might be here there and everywhere but my base will always be there and I want my mum and dad to know that like anything can happen in my life, but you know where my base is at next to you, you know? So it's, it's not surprising. I mean, and, and as you're talking, um, I, I get a very acute sense that you know what your values are. You're not shy of your values and you will do what you think is right. And, um, that, that is, that, that brings me on to the confidence you have in, knowing who you are as a person mm. like when i think about you and when i the the, the more i speak to you, the more I, I i i find out about you the more i get the sense of like you are willing to go against the norm if mm. you think that is the right thing to do for you right mm -hmm. and i think it's fair to say that people of our community you can't generalize or stereotype but to a certain degree going into the creative space is not an area that is drummed into us when we were a kid, mm. right? Um, but you've been able to get into the creative space, but not just get into it, but also see quite a lot of success. And we, we, we will come on to this, but just kind of talk us through, like, uh, how hard was it to get into a space that, quite frankly, um, uh, in, in our community would probably be frowned upon? Yeah, so... I'm going to take you back a little bit to yeah. tell this story, how it deserves to be yeah. told. And I'm probably going to mention my dad a lot, but it's yeah. just because he's been so pivotal in my life and like the the things he's overcome and the things he's achieved, like his podcast would be crazy. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, probably this story starts when I was a young kid and I always had that creative flair in me. Like, I've definitely always been a creative person. So when I was a kid, I used to love drawing. And like, if it was maths or any other type of homework, I'd be there like half an hour, rush it, get it done, 
back to whatever I was doing, like out of my mates or whatever. But when it was art, whenever it was drawing something, like my dad used to wonder like, where's he gone for like three hours? Yeah. And then he'd come up to my room, open the door and I'd be there drawing. Really? Yeah. And he'd How be, old were you? Like, at, at very this young. Point. So we're talking like, probably like, 10, wow. 10, 11 sort of age and beyond. So like my dad would come in and he'd see me drawing and he'd pick up the page and he'd be like, wow, this is amazing. And I knew that he like was being, he was being genuine, but in the back of my mind, even then <laughs> I knew that like, he ain't really fucking with this too tough. <laughs> like, you know, if, if I was sat up here revising science, he'd be a lot happier. Or if I was here like smashing algebra, he'd be a lot happier. But, you know, he was supportive in terms of it being a hobby, but he he really wasn't supportive of it being a career path. And now where I'm sat now and everything that I've been through, I want to make it clear, like, I wouldn't change a thing about what my dad did because it made, yeah. it made me have the skills I've got now. But this is why it's a bit of a longer story. So that's, that's kind of like where it started. But then... So that was like my first kind of understanding of like, look, my dad's not really going to be cool with me pursuing a career down this path. But as I was going through school, it was always things like that that interested me the most. So like even when drama class came up, like I'd look forward to drama. Really? More than anything else. And like, even though like the school I went to, it wasn't anything cool like it is now. Like all the kids at school now are probably like <laughs> practicing to be disheveled and sully and top boy, yeah? But like when I was at school, it was Shakespeare and all this yeah, stuff, right? Yeah. And even though it was something that I didn't have an interest in, just like having the experience of transforming into another character and performing that character, I used to love doing that. And then, you know, I've always been obsessed with music and to be honest, like, again, this isn't going to make me sound cool, but I've always had an interest in entertainment and people in entertainment from being a young kid. And my mates used to joke with me about it. They were like, you know, if we need to know what the latest is with any rapper or who's with who or like mm -hmm. what they're wearing, like Omar will know. And it wasn't that I was like, you know, reading all the magazines. It was just because I was that obsessed with the art that as a byproduct, I would learn like mm -hmm. all the things that came with it. But were you, to what degree were you aware at that time? I mean, you're a kid, right? But to what degree were you aware that I'm never going to be able to take this? Fully. You, you were always aware of that in your head. Yeah, yeah, I knew. I knew at that age that like, I'm not going to be able to pursue art. And in my head, and to a degree it was true, I was like, I can't see a successful money-making avenue doing the stuff I enjoy most. And that was the reality as a kid. And, you know, keep in mind, this is well before social media. You know, at this point, Facebook's not even around. Later on, we could start talking about Bebo and stuff, but, like, nothing was around at this time. You know, it was literally, like, I remember having this thought. I was like, yo, and don't get me wrong. I wasn't like the best artist in the world as a drawer. I was a good drawer. People would tell you I, I could draw well, but like there was people that were better than me. But like my point is, is even if I was the best drawer in my head, I was thinking like, what am I going to do? Like get my art over to some gallery through a contact I don't have. And like it, there's, there's, there's so many barriers in your head of why you can't do something around that time but like now you know you could take a picture of what you make and you could put it on social media if you're lucky you might gain an organic following if not throw a bit of money and force the issue that there's things you can do maybe it's not as easy as i just explained but yeah. it's 10 times easier it's easier now for easier. sure to get your, to get your work out there to get sure. your work out there and to get people to see it and to hashtag it and get people who have got a similar interest to look mm -hmm. at it then there was none of that so um so yeah man like getting into things that i enjoyed wasn't ever something that was looking likely but like my dad made it very clear that he was keen on us becoming medical professionals um being a doctor also very specific then it was it was pretty it was, it was medicine it, it was wasn't even like 
medicine, law, pharmacy. It was, it was, it was medicine. It was pretty specific. Like, <laughs> again, to be fair to my dad, yeah. my dad is a very, very intelligent man. He's a very good communicator. And like, he would never have said, hey, son, you must be a doctor. But he said it in his own way. He made it clear that like, <laughs> that's what would make him proud. And yeah, like, yeah. He made it clear like that's what he wanted. But the reality for me was that I I was good at school. Like I wasn't bad. Like I got like A's, B's and C's. But to be a doctor, like you needed to have A's and everything. And if I did have A's and any, everything, I reckon I would have gone on to be a doctor just because I felt that influence so strongly from my dad. And I, I always wanted to make him proud. Oh, you know what? This, I, I had this same conundrum when I was younger, which was to do something to please your parents versus doing something which you feel is the right thing for you. It, it, I don't think you can simplify this dilemma because it's, it's such an important part of your thinking. As a kid, you have this insane amount of wanting to please your parents. Mm. Like, it's like, you wanna, make, you wanna make them feel proud of you, yeah. right? And I mean, uh, you know, I have really, really clear memories of my dad being so proud of me when I said to him, um, think about being, being an um, optometrist or something like that. And he was like, oh my God, that's amazing, yeah. right? And it's like, you, 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 you feel this sense of wanting to make them happy, right? It's like even now, and I'm sure we'll get onto this later yeah. in the podcast, so forgive me for jumping, but mm. like, even now when like, I'm in music, I didn't actually tell my dad clearly about anything I was doing for a long time. And like, people around me would like ask me, they'd be like, yo, have you told your dad or have you told your mom? Like, what you're doing is crazy. Because what was stopping you? One, I was like, they're not going to get it. And two, I was like, I don't want to go to my dad until I've got a crazy result. People of a certain demographic or people who have a particular interest would have known that we were onto something a, a while ago, like a year or a year and a half ago. But like the average person whose main interest isn't music, some of them only know that you're doing something when you're in the UK official chart. And like, we, we've entered into the chart a couple of times, but we just recently had a top 10. And like, thank you, bro. And that was big up TD, big up Bugsy Malone, out of nowhere, that was the song. And when we did that, like, that was when I was like, you know what, my dad's gonna understand what this is. And but prior to that, he had no idea. He, I think he knew just from things he may have heard from my brothers or my mom. But I think he, even he was probably like holding back, trying to like speak to me in detail about it because he was like, all right, cool. You know, he's got his other businesses that are doing well. And like, I know he's sufficient. He's got his house and everything's good financially. But I'm not sure about this like side mission that he's doing, and like, but but the thing what I would say is that as I've got into my late, as I've got into my like late twenties, in those years, and you know, touching where I'm at now, I, I, I like you explained, like I've seen my relationship with my dad shift from being like, from being like you know, him being my dad and a parent and always trying to like basically refine me and make me the best version of myself to like relaxing, respecting me for who I am and what I've managed to do and speaking to me more like on the level, the way a friend would. And that's been so nice, but that, it was like a light switch. It was like when I moved out and I got my own house and there was bricks and mortar in my name, you know, and he, it was almost like he could just breathe a sigh of relief. Like, you know what? Mm. My son's got somewhere and I can kind of let go of the reins a little bit and, and just have a, a nice normal relationship with him. And it's like now we see each other every Friday religiously. We go and pray together. And like, I love that time we have. And we went out for lunch the other day. Whereas when I was living with him, we never used to do that. Yeah. It was like constantly, you know, being under the watch of somebody and like having them refine you. So I, I, I definitely grew up in, a, in an intense environment, man. And like, when I look back, you know, I'm grateful for it. My dad worked really hard to make sure that like 
we had um, a comfortable life and like stuff like that. Another thing that, you know, I'll say and then I can get into other things. I spoke a lot about my dad, but like my dad did something really clever when I was a young kid and I'm going to do it with my kids, inshallah, as well. My dad took me to Pakistan when I was really young. How old were you? Um, I'd say around the same age. Like I can't remember the what, exact 10, age, 11, but it was like 10, 11, yeah. 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 And like maybe even a bit younger, you know. And I went to where he grew up. Right. So like I saw, I saw like poverty. I saw like open sewers running through the street. I saw like kids who had nothing selling corn out of their hands. I saw like disabled people on the side of the road being left there. They've not got a wheelchair. They've not got any facilities like what you'd get if you were mm -hmm. disabled in this country. They've just been abandoned on the side of the road and they're missing limbs. I saw all that at like a very young age and that was one of the best things that ever happened what, to me. In, in what way? Like, How did that impact? impact I, I just feel like if I didn't have that experience at a young age, I would have taken what I had at that time for granted. But injecting that experience into me at age 10 made me, I think it gave me humility and it gave me um, a feeling of being humble and like appreciating what I had. But just being very cognizant and conscious of if my granddad made one different decision, I could be there. And I'll be honest, I might not be alive. Like I might not have made it to 30. You know what I'm saying? Right? Yeah, yeah. Like that was the reality of what I saw. And I realized like, wow, like the impact that my granddad had making a decision to leave there. Both my granddads, so like my mum, my mum's granddad and my dad's granddad, making the decision to leave that area and what they had going on there. My mum's my mum's dad actually, he was like doing it. Like he he was like very successful businessman in Pakistan and then he kind of brought that over to the UK and all of his descendants kind of did quite well because of that. But obviously, as you know, in like our culture, money gets passed down through men. Mm -hmm. So like my, my, our family didn't necessarily benefit from that. Like my dad had to kind of do everything himself based on my granddad allowing him to be in the UK and make something mm. of himself. So my, my dad came here at seven and then was able to take advantage of the education system to become a doctor. Um, whereas people that would have come here at say 20, they might've had to go into straight into the steelworks or mm -hmm. straight into becoming a taxi driver. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, my dad just sort of got in at the right yeah, time. and yeah, was able yeah. to work hard. So, so yeah, man, so hopefully that rounds off the question of like where my work ethic comes from like there's no question it's based on how i was raised and it's based on the i guess the lineage of where i come from and there's a lot of men and there's a lot of men in my family who are older than me that have got a similar work ethic to talk us through from drawings in your bedroom dipping in and out of creative stuff to then um, entering the music space and making the impact that you've had so far. What, what, how does one go from that to then deciding, I'm going to take this seriously, I'm going to really pursue it? So was that was that was it was it a conscious decision or was it kind of uh, no? It definitely more... wasn't conscious. I was just telling your nephew off uh, off camera like it wasn't conscious. Like I just knew that like yo, I've gone to uni. I'm in this job that doesn't pay very well. I'm not able to do anything good. Can't afford anything. Like I need a way out of this, and also even though like there wasn't a an obvious path for me to become successful i always had it in me that like i need to find a way like i need to find a way to like find where my thing is and like i said when i found management consultancy i was like yeah man like 
the skills that these lot are asking for and the money that they're willing to pay, I can do this. But again, it was like, I remember like when I got the job at the consultancy that we met at, I had to jump through five hoops. I remember there was like, it was a rigorous, you'll remember, there was a rigorous like, you know, interview process to get that job. Mm -hmm. And I remember meeting the boss um, of the organization at King's Cross in London. Um, And, you know, he's a tough guy. He's not an easy guy to impress. And like, um, yeah, and it wasn't easy, but I jumped through the hoops, got the job. And yeah, sorry, but I lied. (laughs) I lied on my CV um, (laughs) to get the job as well. Um, Don't be all right. I I basically, I lied about my degree because my degree, like I said, I went and did a degree that I didn't really care about. I went to uni. I went to uni to do a job that like, um, uh, to do a degree in, in, in a path that didn't really interest me. I just went because I felt like I had to go to uni and I came out with a two, two and which is basically might as well fucking forget about it and not go to uni. And the minimum requirement from the consultancy I'm talking about was a two, one. And most people had a first and like everyone else at that consultancy had been to like, there's people that had been to Cambridge and Oxford and stuff. So I was like, okay, I just need to lie on here. And if they check, they check. And I lied. It got me to the interview. And I knew if I get to the interview, I'll be like, all right. yeah. I back myself yeah. in an yeah. interview. On paper, <laughs> but but in an interview, I'll back myself. And yeah. to be fair, I've always performed well in interviews. Yeah. So yeah, man, just like that happened. I did the round of interviews and I got the job. And then, yeah, man, I remember like, you know, I don't need to tell you that job again is another part of my life where I would attribute um, credit to kind of the person I am now, the confidence I have in certain situations, being able to go and achieve success in certain objectives that I'm setting for myself now is... um, is I definitely attribute a lot of credit to that job because imagine, yeah, being a 22, 23 year old, you've, you know, you've come out of uni, you've, you've lived that kind of Mickey Mouse Mm -hmm. degree life, you know, now you're, it's militant. You're, you're working for a very strict, very harsh, very high pressure, no nonsense corporate management consulting firm. And you're leaving home, full stop, you know, you're on the road, you're living out of hotels, you're living in different cities for three months at a time, Edinburgh, Birmingham, London, wherever the client needs you, that's where you are. You finish work at like 10, 8 p.m. on a Friday. You get home at midnight, you have one day off, which is a Saturday, and then Sunday you're traveling back back again. And I, I did that for, I think it was at least three years in my yeah. early 20s. Yeah, and yeah. and I always look back at that time as like one of the best things that happened to my career, to be honest, because of my development. It was like going to the army. Yeah. It was like, yeah. go, and sorry, no disrespect to anyone who's been to the army, but I say it as a metaphor in the sense of like, you go to the army, it's super regimented, it's super, super strict. And you know, you get up at a certain time and it forces you to have like discipline. And like... Did you did you appreciate that at the time? Or is it more just when you look back on it, you think... Oh, there were certain good. aspects that I appreciated. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say overall, yeah. There were certain aspects that I appreciated. And there was, for example, one thing I liked about that consultancy was that they didn't look at age. They didn't look at age like, oh, he's he's really young. He shouldn't be project managing this team of six. Talking to the CEO. Yeah, he shouldn't be yeah. speaking to the CEO. Like they <clears throat> championed that. Like if they saw something in you, you know, they they saw something in me that was, okay, this guy is confident. This guy is a good communicator. This guy can lead people well. We will, we don't care 
you know, about his grades or anything he's done in the past. We're looking at what we can see now and we're liking it. And he's performed well at every project we've ever thrown him in as a consultant. So why not let him lead a project? And I just felt like their attitude towards promoting people based on capability mm-hmm. over age or anything else, they didn't care about race. They didn't care if you were straight or gay. They didn't care if you were ma- male or female. Yeah. If you were good, they promoted That's what you. matters, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that's one thing I really appreciated about them because that job gave me the confidence that I can do great things at a young age. I was earning more money than anyone else in my friendship group at the time. And like, I I knew that uh, for somebody in their early 20s, I was having experiences that weren't normal. Like I was, I was consulting executive directors of, you know, some of the biggest organizations in the country um, on how to do their job when I was 23. And these guys are 50, 60, gray hair, bold. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so that that if that doesn't give you confidence, obviously you've got to be confident. You've got to be yeah, a certain yeah. character to do it in the first place. But if that doesn't give you confidence and spur you on, I don't know what is. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, obviously, look, bro, you know as well as I do, and I'm not going to get you in trouble, but yeah. you know as well as I do, there's a lot of things that are really tough about that job. But, and there's certain things that I didn't like, but, Overall, I am very appreciative of that yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. Set me up. And in, in terms of how that then also um, shapes uh, or did shape your desire to then go into into uh, into music, man. How yeah, is, so, how, so what's tra- the kind of connection? So transitioning there? from there, the main thing was I did that job for two different consultancies. I went from the first one where I met you, which was like a boutique yeah, one. Yeah. Then I went to like one, which is the biggest consultancy firm in this country. And again, I started performing well there, but I also realized when I was there that like, I got to the level that was basically right before being a sort of, sort of senior director. So I was like a, a senior project program manager. So quite senior in the organization, but not like a director. Yeah. And, but I wasn't far off and I, I was looking above and I was thinking, looking at the guys doing that job and the, and the women doing that job. And I was thinking, do I want that? And I was like, no, I don't. I was like, they're miserable. They've got no time. And it's not because of their own business. It's for somebody else. There's no passion in what they do. It's literally to sustain a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And it just looked like a trap to me. It just looked like a trap. Like yeah. it was like, yo, you've got this mortgage. You better turn up at nine o'clock. Like, you know, and it, I just looked at that and I was like, I, I can't do that. And then guess what happened? Bang! 2020. And then, and that was right around, like two years before 2020, I was already having these feelings and I was already like looking at elsewhere and other things I could do. And I was trying like little side hustle businesses and like, you know, for whatever reason they weren't taking Has that been you throughout your life? Like in the sense of just never feeling like you're you're in a place where you can be like, okay, this is it. Like, have you ever been in a place where it's like... that is me. Because that's Uh, me as well. I I, I don't think I've ever, even now, like, you know... um, it's very easy for for people to be like, well, you know what? You've got it all now. You must be happy. I don't think you ever are like no. truly no, and comfortable. You, no, happy. definitely. And that's a good thing to raise. Like, I think that there's certain people who have, you know, that entrepreneurial drive. And the reason they are who they are and they have that drive is because it's not about getting to a destination. Like nothing's ever enough, you know? It's about the feeling and the spirit of going through the journey and the process to get somewhere and all the things you experience mm-hmm. along the way. Like, And the best way I can describe this to you, and again, I'm jumping around, is like me and TD had one day we would have sat back and loved for somebody to from a major label to contact us. But when you get those things, it's funny how quickly you look at the next thing. Mm. and mm. 
you know, nothing nothing ever feels like, you know, you've got to that destination and now I'm going to chill. What's know? been the biggest high? The biggest high? Yeah. I, I think when the Bugsy song went crazy, like when, when TD and Bugsy Malone's song went crazy, like it just went mad. That was a pretty big high because in the music industry, there's a lot of gatekeepers. There's a lot of gatekeepers in the industry who decide like whether you get into certain playlists on Spotify, for example, or decide whether you... Um, would get a particular show on a particular lineup. Like, and the things that influence that is how big the artist is or how big the artist's song is. Or um, a lot of times it's about relationships that you have, but you're not going to be able to garner those relationships unless you've got something that's worth garnering it for. So like, but when you've had a huge hit like that, you know, TD's face was plastered across every big playlist. The biggest playlist in the country is called Hot Hits. His face was the cover on that, you know? And like the biggest dance playlist in the in the country is called Massive Dance Hits. His face was on that. You know, he was in magazines, like not that, that they're as big of a deal these days, but he was. Um his social media following was just rapidly increasing. The, all all everything around like the work that we we're doing was just getting bigger and like even from me on a business to business side everyone in the industry wanted to speak to me every major label wanted to speak to me and be my friend and like all the all the different professionals across the industry were now in my contact book on my mobile so it just it just felt like we've got to a you know we were talking about never it never being enough and like mm. you never feel like you've made it but it felt like a huge milestone of like okay like we've we've proven ourselves what gets you going like what what because i mean everyone knows or no one will know this but you'll know out of everyone that getting to that point it's not overnight right it's not mm. something that just happens like that it, it takes consistent strides in the right direction but when you're not getting those wins, it can be quite disheartening, right? What What is the kind of kept you guys going? Especially for you, because you always had a backup, right? You always had yeah. other stuff going on. It would have been so easy for you to be like, listen, you know what? This little side passion of mine, this little side hobby, you know what? Do you know, do you know I'm going to spit out of it because it's just, it's, just, it's just too too hard for me. Do you know what? Yeah. One of the things that I'm most proud of is that the artists that I work with have come to me and that's quite rare. Every other manager that I've met, they've kind they've of kind of shocked the artists. Like they've seen this artist who looks like he's going somewhere and they've basically sold themselves to them and got them to agree to be their manager. I've never done that in my life, ever. Both of the guys that I work with, TD and Slime, they they came to me and they asked me and that this is part of the story that I want to tell you because, for example, one of the things that drives me is that I told you the story about like my family's origin, mm -hmm. you know, very, very humble beginnings from a slum in Pakistan. But both of the artists that I work with, they come from very, very, very humble beginnings as well. And I don't think that I would give a shit about this job if I was the manager of an artist who was like rich, to be honest like who'd started off as rich or if I was the manager of an artist who was like some fucking posh twat, like that wouldn't suit me or somebody who was cocky or arrogant, like, nah, I'm good. What drives me is the guys. It's the character of the guys. But also I think what drives you and this is based on whenever we've spoken, you get, this is what I find so amazing. You get a drive from seeing them achieve success. Yeah, massively. Yeah. Like, you'll randomly text me and say like, this guy has gone from nothing to yeah. something. And you get a massive buzz out of it, mm. right? And that must be the same thing that kind of like, that you've seen with TD, right? I Do mean, you know what like, it is with TD, yeah? Me and him started off as friends. We met so randomly. And we started off as friends before he was an artist and before I was an artist manager. So, 
you imagine there's been two guys who connected on a real on a real level developed a friendship that became a brotherhood there's no uh, he's my brother like there's no other way i'd describe our relationship that's how close we are we speak about everything you know um and that that is a big reason why i'm able to do this job because look man you get managers who sit in an office all day never see them artists don't have a relationship with their artists don't know anything about their artists but when it's time to reply to an email or when it's time to answer the phone they're there i mean is that what i would constitute as a fully functioning 360 manager no i don't really respect people that just do that um because i see my role as like being a life coach almost and it's my responsibility to like develop and mentor these guys and with TD, I met him when I was in my late 20s and he met me when he was in his um, late teens. So, you know, I've got almost 10 years on him. So I, from day one, I kind of had a bit of an older brother relationship with him. But at the same time, he's so intelligent and he's so beyond his years that like, our relationship's always always been like at an equal mm -hmm. level. It's not like I'm his older brother and yeah, I tell him yeah, what yeah. to do. Like we're friends at the same level. It just so happens that I've also got this 10 years of life experience that I can put into our team and make it stronger. Um so yeah, man, like I'm I'm just so invested in 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 him because of that relationship and that brotherhood. But equally, you were saying like, oh, when he has success, I'm excited. And I am because I feel like it's me having that success. Because me and TD, like, he'll tell you this himself. He, he said this before, like, when we look at TD as an individual and who he is publicly, that's him. But me and him know that day to day from beginning to now, it's us, you know, we're a team. And we're a partnership and like we speak like 50 times a day and that's how we've been able to have the success that we've had in the amount of, in the short space of time that we've had. I just have certain values. Yeah. Like brotherhood, loyalty, you know, appreciation, like, like me and T have got all those things. Me and Sly have, Slime have got all those things. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm doing my job well if I'm getting everyone else to realize how great they are. Mm. And my job, I, I said this to RD's manager um, last time I spoke to him because me and him are quite friendly. We've worked on a bunch of things together. And we were at a video shoot and I said to him, I was like, bro, you know what? It's our job to get everyone else to see what we see. And it's our job to get everyone else to, to know what we already know. Yeah. Like when you yeah. met RD, you knew he was sick. And it's just been a process of getting everyone else to, to realize, to realize that. that. It's been yeah, the same yeah, with me yeah. and TD. And he was like, bro, you know what? You're so right. Like, that's what it feels like. And it at times, it is a very selfless job. At times, it is a very thankless job. But at times, it's a very, very, very rewarding job. Like, you know... When I see, when I saw TD's face, yeah, <laughs> on the cover of Hot Hits. It's crazy. it's crazy. I rang him and you can ask him, yeah, my level of excitement was here. And he was like. And his <laughs> level of excitement was, was low. Like, he was like, yeah, cool, bro. And I was screaming down the phone. I was like, bro. It's the biggest playlist in the country. Your face is on the cover. Is that is that oh. him through and through? Is he just like, I can't like just... No, nah, like, we just get excited about different things, <laughs> isn't it? We just get excited about different things, bro. But like, I was like, Beyonce's <laughs> in that playlist. I was like, Chris Brown is in that playlist, bro. I was like, Drake is in that playlist. And you, your white ass face from Parsons Cross <laughs> with a gap in your teeth, you're fucking covering it. I was like, do you understand that? And like, and like I was losing my mind, and do you know what? It's 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 interesting because certain things that we've gone through clearly mean more to me than they do to him. 
and obviously certain experiences that he has he'll be able to feel them a lot more than I will for example like when he goes on stage and he's performing a set and the crowd's going crazy I love it but he must have a different feeling to what that feels like that I don't know what that feels like and equally when it's like when it's like I we've worked to get his face or his name somewhere that really like people are looking at it like how the fuck have they done that like I think that's when I really enjoy it because we've had multiple instances like that like let me put it to you like this yeah how many producer artists do you know that are popping like TD how many of producer artists do you know have got you know, somebody at the same level as Bugsy Malone on their song when Bugsy Malone's got followers into the millions and TD at the time had, I think, 50 or 60K followers. Like, we do shit that people look at and they're like, how the fuck have they done that? Mm-hmm. And and literally, you know, what the public sees, which I'm so grateful for, is the greatness of TD. Because he is great, bro. Like, we wouldn't be anywhere. You can have the best manager in the world, right? And I'm not saying I'm that, but you can have the best manager in the world, but you're not going to get anywhere unless the artist is of interest and can, yeah, of can gain interest from other people. So, and he, it, I'll be real, like, I was hoping you'd ask me a question on this podcast, which is like, who are my favorite artists? Yeah. Let's go into it, man. My favorite artist, genuinely, no cap, is TD. And people <laughs> people will think that I'm biased or yeah. like I'm crazy, but genuinely, bro, like to me, he's the hardest. Like the, the music that he makes, to me, it sounds better than everything else to me. And that that's for a multitude. And I think that I would feel like that even if I never met him and yeah, he'd yeah. say he would gone off and he did the same stuff. I think it would be the same as because... One, he's from Sheffield. Two, baseline up until now has been a huge element of his style of music. And I grew up on that because I was just constantly exposed to it from my older brothers. And the type of baseline that I used to love was like the one that was like had commercial elements in it. So maybe it, it was proper heavy baseline stonker but maybe it had like a nice female vocal in it to kind of Mm -hmm. give it a bit of melody and they were my favorite songs in like td style of music is like baseline mixed with modern house and it just to me it just sounds like the best like yeah so yeah he genuinely is my favorite artist at the moment and like music yeah the music industry is very small bro fuck me it's so small especially once you get to a certain level once we were on at a certain level, before no time, I met Central C and his manager. Had a conversation, you know, met them. Before long, I met, like I said, RD's manager. And, you know, there was all the, before long, I was on the phone, bro. Imagine, I was on the phone to Jess Glynn. That's crazy. I've got Jess Glynn's number on my phone. That's like, crazy. I, 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 we've got a song recorded with her. I don't think it's going to come out, unfortunately. Hopefully it does one day. But yeah, we, um, you know, I'm speaking to her. And obviously all, there's all the front-facing people, but there's all the important other people. Like one of the best songwriters in the world is somebody called Jinjin. And I knew who she was. And um, I was really excited to be able to speak to her. Now she WhatsApp me, she WhatsApps me ideas. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. She goes to me the other day. She was like, I'm really excited to be working with you and TD. And, and you're I, like what i'm excited i sent her back and a laughing emoji yeah i was i just i sent her back ha 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 i was like this is a fucking joke is it is it is it what you'd call um because i have this well this um imposter imposter syndrome is that is that what it's like where you you feel like you're 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 not supposed to be where you are i'm not gonna lie yeah i have had imposter syndrome in the past yeah but i haven't got it now yeah yeah i haven't got it now at all like T says he gets it sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I I had it more when I was in the consultancy because yeah, yeah, I, yeah. my peers had been to Oxford and Cambridge and like 
they had straight A's and that was never me. So I definitely had it when I was at the consultancy. I was like, shit, like somebody's going to find out that yeah, I'd lied yeah, on my yeah, CV yeah, yeah. or somebody's going to find out that like, you know, I haven't got the credentials to do this job. But yeah. then once the results started coming in, nobody gave a fuck about anything else. Whereas in music, bro, funnily enough, doesn't happen. It's crazy. I've never felt like that. Even though two years ago, I didn't work in music. Yeah, like there's yeah, people yeah. that I rub shoulders with now, like other artist managers, bro. And they've grinded in music since they were young. And like now they're a manager. I never did that. I, I had a successful, you know, management consultant firm. Then I had a successful business outside of music. And then, um, then I, then I got into music two years ago. So, but I think the reason why I don't have imposter syndrome in music is because I've had a look around. I've met all the different people in the industry. We've managed to attain certain a certain level of success 95% by ourselves between me and TD, I'll be honest. Because if you think about the Bugsy Malone song, that came from a conversation TD and I had on a drive back from Aberdeen, six and a half hour drive back from Aberdeen to Sheffield, where I, 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 I was basically pestering him for about three weeks, saying that you need to go back to shouting people out on Instagram. And because he, he'd taken a break from doing that, because that's how we initially got right, a name right. for ourselves. We made, TD made a beat, he shouted out a much bigger artist. He got all of his small number of fans to tag that artist in the comments. Mm -hmm. That artist's phone would be doing backflips. They'd be thinking, who the fuck's this TD kid? They'd listen. Thankfully, what they listened to was sick. Then they'd want to work. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. how you know we, we, we started working with the, uh, the first few artists. But then we took a massive break from doing that because we kind of felt like, okay, we're, we've got our own following now. So do we ne necessarily need to shout out another artist or can we garner something ourselves? And then, you know, we released a few songs that did pretty well independently. But then it came to a time where we were like, we need something to like just shake, shake up the social media platforms again and really like get everyone's attention. So I was speaking to him like here and there for about three weeks trying to convince him to do this again the thing with tears bro as much as we're a partnership and as much as he respects me and he you know he values my opinion i'm grateful for the fact that he's not just like some guy who listens to everything i say he listens to what i say he respects it he deeply considers it but in the end he makes his own decision yeah, yeah. and i love that yeah um because then it it, it brings two brains yeah exactly into yeah, the mix yeah. and yeah, we can yeah. always yeah. we can always determine like the best outcome yeah, right yeah, yeah. so in this instance i was saying to him bro you should go back to shouting somebody out and he was like hearing me but he wasn't really giving me a response he was like yeah man i feel you i feel you but he wasn't taking any action on it so i was carrying on for like three weeks like trying to convince him and then on the way back from aberdeen to sheffield this is this is where we have some of our best conversations is on a drive. And I'll tell you why. TD has got ADHD. And people think I've got it as well, but I've never been diagnosed. But he definitely fucking has. <laughs> 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 and what I've noticed is when I bring him to a meeting at my house yeah. and we sit one-on-one -on -one like this, yeah. I can't fucking get him to concentrate <laughs> the way yeah. that you're concentrating. Yeah. But yeah. if I get him to do three other things at the same time yeah yeah while speaking to me yeah. we can have the deepest most productive most groundbreaking conversation so drives are great yeah. because you know i'm super against vapes and anybody who fucking likes vapes don't do it it's a waste <laughs> yeah. of time energy man-made product with fucking <laughs> nicotine in that tastes good to fuck your life up but td and i don't want to influence anyone else but td was having a vape at the time he was having a vape whilst driving yeah. Sorry, police, whilst checking his phone. Yeah. Like he was doing three <laughs> things at the same time whilst driving. But he's got the brain that can do yeah. all those things at the same time. That's how he computes. Like, yeah. like if I was in the car with somebody else, I wouldn't feel safe in that situation. But I felt safe with him because, bro, 
the guy's that guy. Isn't it? That's he just can, how he functions. He can yeah, do yeah. that shit, yeah? yeah? So anyway, I'm sat in the car with him and um, I'm I'm saying to him like, bro, you should shout somebody out again. And then we we started talking and we were like, yo, Bugsy Malone or RD. We thought of those two. And if you're us and you're basically, you know, TD's a, fundamentally, he's a dance music producer. Now he's produced bare rap beats before he was a dance music producer. He's produced, you know, we've been in the room with Fredo. We produced for Lowski. We, we'd produced for RD on one of his earliest tracks and he didn't know. Um, so we produced for rappers, but... You know, one of the things that T and I spoke about in the early days was that, like, as a rap producer, you're only ever going to be in the background and your name's never going to be at the mm. forefront. You might go on to be a sick rap producer and if you know, you know, and you might have a successful career. Like, I've got friends who are like that and they're sick and they, they have a great career. But TD's personality, like, this guy needed to be at the forefront. So I was like, we were like, look, as a dance act you're the main event you're the calvin harris you're the diplo mm -hmm. you know what i mean or you're the biscuits or you're the chapter and verse you're the thing that people care about so we were like right let's rock with that and thankfully he's that talented he can smash out them beats probably better than any of the others so we're in the car six and a half hour drive and we we said bugsy malone or rd and then it was like, not RD, because it was like, we genuinely have relationships with him and his team. So our method of like shouting people out wouldn't have been authentic because I can just pick up the phone mm. to his manager, Carl, mm. like, yo, because yeah. we are working with RD now yeah. based on mine and Carl's relationship. So we were like, Bugsy Malone is the craziest reach. Why should some random kid from Sheffield with 60K followers get Bugsy Malone's attention? But TD, and this is the greatness of TD, TD went home that night. The next day, he sent me the beat. And the beat was the out of nowhere beat. And it was crazy. And at this time, it was it, it was without the sample, without the iconic Miss Dynamite DJ Zinc um, while out sample. And it sounded insane. And I was like, bro, it's sick, man, it's sick. And we were talking about it. And we were like, yeah, but what's going to be that thing that just gives it that undeniable hook yeah, that like, people yeah. are just going to gravitate yeah. towards? He was like, say no more. He came back about an hour later. He puts me on FaceTime and he plays the beat and it's got the wild out sample on there. And I was like, oh my God, this That's sounds it. fucking huge. So then that night, he put it on Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. Did his usual process of yeah. everyone yeah. shout out. Everyone tag yeah. Bugsy Malone. Yeah. Let's get him on it. Yeah. That night, Bugsy Malone responded, and his response was on TikTok, and it was like a duet, and it was like a video of him in a restaurant listening to TD's B. That's crazy. And at the end, it was like a signal to say, "Like I'm on it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And credit to Bugsy, like he didn't waste any time. Like a few days later. He, he had us meet him in London for the studio session. A few days after that, he agreed to come up to Sheffield to come and see us at TD's mum's house to do promo for the song. And I actually, I'm really grateful that Bugsy did that because that piece of content went mega viral and massively contributed to the success of the record. And the idea where that came from was we were like, oh, wouldn't it be sick if, if Bugsy came to Sheffield? And I was like, Bugsy, I remember being in the studio with him. I was like, Bugsy, do you remember that video that 50 Cent did with that, um, with that guy where 50 Cent popped out in his bedroom? This was about 11 years ago. And he was like vaguely remembering it, but he was like, I'm not sure. So I pulled it out on my phone and I showed it him. And it's a video and we can maybe flash it up in this, yeah. in this video. But it's a video of like this guy in his bedroom lip syncing 50 Cent for like so many videos and getting the following. And then like the 10th video in 50's seen it and he's decided yeah. to pop out in his bedroom yeah. and engage with this person in this person's audience. So I showed Bugsy the video and he was like, yo, that's sick. <laughs> And then he started laughing and he was like, Eclipse. Is that you? he was like, are you saying that, are you saying that your boy TD is like this guy? And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, man, I'm just saying that this idea could work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then 
next thing you know, he's come up to Sheffield. We've done the bedroom thing. It went fucking crazy. Um, and then after that, we just moved at pace because obviously once you've got this like explosion across TikTok and Instagram, the key thing is to move quickly and yeah, make the most of it. Yeah. yeah like, like make the most of the momentum that you've built. Yeah, of so we did that. we got the video shot. We, we, we shot the video at Bugsy's new house. He just bought a new mansion. He invited us down there. We shot the video there. It was a wild video full of girls, full of everything you can imagine, pool parties, and there's me right in the mix, <laughs> eyes open. Yeah, it was sick, man. The song went on to become, obviously, a huge hit in this country and in some other countries as well. So I think that's the... Uh, I think... I mean, I, I, I've, I've seen the journey of T, and um, I've seen you as well, and it's just uh, it's so beautiful to finally... Um, have this chance to kind of sit down with you and go through it all, man. Um, yeah, man. I can't thank you enough, genuinely, man, for coming on the podcast, sharing your story, um, and um, hopefully, hopefully, inspiring others to to fulfil a journey based on what actually inspires and interests them. Because I think um, if you weren't true to yourself and true to what you knew, what was the right thing then who knows what, what might have happened, man. No, definitely, um, man. So, yeah. I just want to say a massive thank you to you. This is the first proper podcast I've done. I don't think I would have done my first with anyone else. Obviously, we've known each other many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We came from the same consultancy. I knew that you'd be able to get me into the right zone to really speak openly and freely. No, and I thanks, feel like man. I've done that. Until the next time, bro. Till next time, man. Cheers, man.